Ladies and gentlemen, sit back and get comfortable. But not too comfortable. It's the WCHL Podcast with WCHL Commissioner Christopher Perry and Andrew Majorkirk. All righty. Well, hey, this is the WCHL Commissioner Christopher Perry, and we're flying solo today without um, Andrew, which is, I don't know if that's a, a blessing or not. I think he's off counting ballots now somewhere, so uh, we'll give him a break since he's doing a civic duty. But on the other end of the line, we're, we're very fortunate to have the head coach and the director of hockey operations from one of the newest members of the Western Collegiate Hockey League, uh, Grand Canyon University's own Danny Roy. Danny, thank you for joining us tonight. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Well, Danny, hey, let's uh, let's jump into this. As I said, uh, GCU is one of the uh, newest members of the WCHL this season. This was supposed to be a really good season, right? Ten, oh yeah, ten teams. We're supposed to get everything going, and it was we we're going to be hot stuff. And the pandemic has kind of put the screws to us, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, there's a lot lot to look forward to going from an independent and, and then jumping into a conference in our second year. So, uh, you know, recruiting was going well and and then uh you know, you get you get this coming into things. So, yeah. Well, here we are and uh, it's thrown a you know, if it's thrown a monkey wrench into our hockey operations, it's uh thrown the rest of the monkeys or the rest of the jungle wrenches into my cheesy little podcast here. So uh, we're supposed to be talking games and playoffs and you know nationals and instead we're uh, we're not so that's uh, that's uh, that's that's no good. But what we'd like to do, we're going to try to make up for it by introducing folks to some of the newest uh, teams here in the in the WCHL. We've already had uh, AJ Bolden from Utah on, and uh, so now we've got Grand Canyon University on. Tell me a little bit a little bit about Danny Roy, your your personal background and. How you got going into hockey here? Yeah, well, I'm uh, originally from out in Northern California and, and Santa Rosa. Um, the uh, the rink out there is best known for the uh, the Charles Schultz Snoopy Ice Rink. Um, so I grew up around uh, the Peanuts gang playing <laughs> hockey. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get to meet Charles Schultz uh, multiple times um, there at the rink before he passed away. And uh, if, if you've never been out there to very unique facility. Uh, you walk inside and, and his, his vision of an ice rink was to make it look like the Swiss Alps. Really? Um, yeah. So you, you walk in and there's, there's, uh, there's buildings inside on the walls and, and murals of the, the Swiss mountains and, and things like that. Um, when Wait. I was growing up playing there, there was no glass down the sideboards, uh, on either side and, uh, made it feel like all your, your parents and fans and friends and stuff were, were right on the ice while you're playing. <laughs> so, so, so Danny, there are actual buildings inside or paintings of buildings? <laughs> no, it's, it's kind of like, uh, they, they kind of built them onto the wall. So, uh, when they do their ice skating shows there, um, on each corner of the building and then around the center ice, uh, on the walls, um, the building is basically where it's like a, 
a window that opens up and uh that's where they would have the spotlights and stuff for all the ice skating shows that they would do that's um, awesome yeah so they, <laughs> super unique place um they've done a lot of renovations actually last year they shut down the entire place redid the ice for the first time in 70 years and oh my gosh uh <laughs> pretty much since it was open and uh they put full glass all the way around the place and and then this was going to be the first year they were going to bring back the uh, the World Senior Tournament. And, and unfortunately, the pandemic forced that to shut down. So, um, so yeah, I mean, unique. I got to play got to play my first experiences with the ACHA out there with uh, the Santa Rosa Junior College. And at that time, it was Division Three ACHA. Um, you know, my first year with those guys was uh, 2005, 2006 and played for for a semester before separating my shoulder, uh, against Cal state Northridge. And, uh, and then the next year they folded. Um, so, so <laughs> well, 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 do they fold because of lack of players or just because yeah, it's just kind of like, uh, I think that next season, for some reason, the, uh, the desire for players to play, I think went away. It was interesting because I mean the crowds that we would get there would be over 600 standing room and and everything. Um, just kind of I think just nobody the the team president or something just I, I'm not sure what happened, but um, we were able to a few years down the road we were able to get it to come back. A group of us got back together. Um, I was actually out in uh, out in Davis where my wife was going to school at UC Davis. And that was actually 10 years ago uh, when I, I first stepped onto the bench as a head coach with UC Davis uh, when they were D3. Okay. Um, and that kind of got, that got the fuel going again. I, I was out of school at that time and, and wasn't planning on going back to school and getting a degree. And, and then all of a sudden realized that I was enjoying coaching and, and saw a really good response from those players. And, decided to go back back home to Santa Rosa, help the guys get the junior college going, played there for two years. We got the team in our second year to uh, its first regional tournament and uh, and then moved here to ASU and uh, threw an ASU jersey on for, for two seasons here with the, the D2 program. Um, okay. And then right after, uh, started coaching, and I was actually an assistant coach with Tate Green. Uh, with the uh, the D two program uh, there at ASU, and that was actually that was the the second D two team that we had. Okay, uh, while we were coaching, because so, the at the time the ASU uh, Powers had his D one team. Yep, yeah, that was the uh, my my second season as assistant coach was the year that they were uh, they were officially going uh, NCAA. All right. Well, tell yeah. tell tell me a little bit about that uh, that Northern Colorado. I'm sorry, that Northern California uh, hockey scene. I mean, it sounds like it's kind of wild. I'm I'm not very familiar, obviously, with Northern California, but I know there's uh, a bunch of kids, especially with the Sharks coming up there to the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're in uh, the Bay Area, especially around Pleasanton in yep. uh, South. That uh, you know, it, the, there were a lot of good hockey players that came out of there. So was it competitive? Was it not competitive? You said uh, you played ACHA D three up there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, the, the around the time when I was growing up, you know, it was still Cal. It was still uh, surprising for somebody to hear that you played ice hockey in California. Um, 
you know, anywhere you went and, and said where you grew up playing, they were kind of surprised to hear that. And now, you know, now you look at the NHL draft and, and it's surprising to not see somebody from California in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I mean, the, it's, uh, it's obviously, uh, it's obviously more popular in the, the populated areas, uh, especially around San Jose. Um, the, the sharks have done a really good job of, of going in and helping perch purchase, uh, some of the other buildings and, and facilities like they, they, they're part owners in Oakland now and they were able to help uh, keep that place up and running. And um, I think they're out in Santa Clara as well. So, um, you know, the, the, the type of hockey's changed quite a bit there. They, they, they obviously still have all their triple A programs and things like that. Um, but uh, anything below that has now just turned kind of to a, a high school travel um, level. So the high schools themselves don't have teams, but, uh, each travel program that is at 18 and under, um, that is a double A or triple A, um, is actually considered California high school hockey. So they've changed it up a little bit since I, since I moved away there, but yeah, I mean, growing up, we had, we had a lot of really, really solid players. Um, I mean, we mixed it in with roller hockey and ice hockey. So, uh, the players, I grew up with all had really, really good hands, um, uh, good ability to see, uh, see and make decisions quickly. Um, and, uh, it was definitely physical hockey. Um, I mean, every, <laughs> all the guys I grew up playing with, you know, if, if, if you were playing against us and, and the first and second guy didn't hit you, the, the third and fourth guy were going to get you. So I see, um, yes, it's, it's probably the reason why we drew, drew crowds at our game night. You know, that was when that was the time when ACHA hockey, especially in 2005 was when ACHA hockey was really still under that club, um, scene. Um, I think we had about three or four fights a night oh, in no. our building. So every, um, everyone came to see the brutality, huh? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They always knew it was going to be a show. Um, you know, but it, the ACHA has come a long way since then. Um, you know, at the time I've been around it now and I've seen it, I've seen it go from, from that in, in, in certain areas to, to, you know, being a, a serious opportunity for players to continue to play, uh, what they want to call college hockey. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's why you have been around for, uh, with it being 2020 and you started playing there at, uh, Santa Rosa junior college, what in 2005, you said that's yep. what, 15 years of ACHA that you've, uh, uh, I don't know if you want to say experienced or endured or uh, <laughs> however you want to however you want to say it. What was it a culture shock to move from Northern California down to uh, scenic Tempe? I mean, it had to be. Um, yeah, Tempe's uh, Tempe's got a a good metro uh, feel to it. Um, I think that's kind of what hooked me and my wife here when when we were looking at. I was actually I really wanted to go to University of Arizona when I was transferring. Um, my head coach at, at the junior college, uh, was an alumni of the nineties teams there. Okay. Um, when they were, when they were the powerhouse in Arizona, what, um, what was his name? Uh, Jason Royce. Okay. Um, and he actually, he, he just moved back here from Minnesota. So, um, he's looking forward to seeing our team play, especially against U of A. So nice, you know, finding out down there that the rink's not year round and stuff. Um, I'm a rink rat. I like to be around the rink even in the summer. Um, 
So as soon as we got up here touring the campus at ASU uh, in Tempe, um, with the amount of rinks that are here within a 20 minute radius, um, you know, this is definitely where we were, uh, we were excited to stay. Good. Very nice. Now, uh, I know you played in, uh, you played in net for ASU. Did you also skate out? Uh, no, at that time, at that time, I finally just decided to, to stick with playing in net. Um, you know, ASU, ASU's program was so, so strong and deep. Um, you know, they didn't need a need for, for players, um, to play up front as well. Um, when I played for the junior college, I definitely, I've, I played both positions. Um, yeah, growing up, I, I didn't switch to goalie until I was 12 years old. Um, I had played since I was six years old prior to that as a player. Um, and, and even from 12 years old, all the way to 19, 20 years old, um, I, I was bringing two sets of equipment to the rink. And, and if oh. it was the other, other goalies turn to play, um, I was always throwing my player gear on and, and skating. I mean, I, I enjoy the game. I, I like playing. Um, so sitting there on the bench all the time, uh, you know, wasn't, wasn't my, my passion. I wanted to just get out there and skate. Um, really didn't matter if it was goalie defense forward. So as a coach that helps, I mean, I could relate to any player on the ice and, and what they're going through and what they're seeing and stuff like that. Very, yeah, I would imagine since you see it from so many different perspectives. Yep. So, and then you, so you played, you played out your ACHA eligibility at ASU and then you signed on to, uh, be an assistant there with, uh, with Tate Green at the Arizona state with their D2 team, their, their second D2 team. What was, what was that experience like? Uh, Tate's, Tate's an intense guy. Um, you know, I, I, I definitely, uh, I learned a lot from him. He was, uh, I was definitely thankful enough for him to, uh, consider me as a, as an assistant coach. Cause at that time we had never met each other at all. Okay. Um, I had actually applied, I'd applied for the head coaching position for that, um, for that team. As soon as I graduated with, uh, I, I sat in coach powers, office and, and applied for the position. And, and he let me know that they were going to go with this guy named Tate green. And, um, and Greg, I think was, and knew enough about me and knew enough about my passion and, uh, my, my maturity within the, within the position and stuff. And, um, forwarded my information over to Tate and we sat and talked and, uh, kind of shared very similar, uh, opinions and, and philosophies and things like that. And, and, uh, got to coach with him for two years and, and now he's, uh, he's considered to be a rival now, um, of mine. So we, we, uh, we have a fun rivalry as competitive. We both, we both are very similar where we don't, we don't like to lose at all. Um, but we definitely don't have a problem talking to each other and, and, uh, joking around with each other. Um, after the fact. Well, good. Well, two things that come out of that. Uh, number one, um, the, the tentacles of Greg powers, uh, reveal themselves again. He's the modern day godfather out there <laughs> in, in Arizona hockey, huh? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, being involved obviously with now the NCAA boys that he's uh, got going and, um, I know they're getting ready to get started up next week, but, uh, uh, you know, winning the national championship there at ASU, setting up ASU as a really bringing that program back from the, back from the doldrums that they were in, 
and to become a powerhouse, not only at the D1 level, but also at the D2 level. And then, uh, you know, that turned around and helped out uh, uh, U of A, and it helped out, you know, he's got his uh, fingers a little bit with the uh, leadership up there at UNLV. And now, obviously, here with, uh, you're saying with GCU, you know, he was helping, uh, or, or uh, I guess, instrumental, if you will, in terms of helping you uh, get on that coaching tree. So Yeah, yeah, no, he, um, I mean, when I was looking at places to go and places to play, um, like I said, at that time, I, my decision to go back to school was to get a degree so I could, I could try and pursue, pursue coaching um, at a high level. Um, obviously the ultimate goal is to, to be a coach in, in an NCAA level, but, um, in order to, in order to, to try and pursue that the best way possible, I was looking for a program that, um, had, you know, had, had a reputation was growing. Um, and, and I, when, when looking into ASU, I, I had seen what coach power was powers was doing with, uh, with the program, how competitive they were and, and by the time I got here at ASU to play, um, you know, wasn't, wasn't, I, I didn't get a ton of net time. Um, I, you know, I, I was still happy to be a part of the program and, and learn from it and, and see what was working and how they were growing it. Um, how are they attracting players and stuff? And, and as soon as I got the opportunity with GCU is, it was easy for me to, to kind of take, take a lot of his model and, and, uh, start building it into, uh, what we're doing here. Well, to, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. How, how did you transition there from um, graduating at ASU with your degree and playing, uh, going from player to a coach at ASU for, you said for two years with coach green. Yep. And then now you have an opportunity at GCU. How did that come about? Yeah. I like that. It, it actually happened during that second season. Um, coaching with Tate. Um, I had, kind of was I was already kind of on the look of like okay what what other opportunities are out there and and where can I kind of you know move to if if anything opens up and and I'd heard that GCU was exploring like their club sports department was exploring um, opportunities with other people of trying to start a hockey program Um, and uh, I just I, I reached out to the club sports director Dan Nichols and and just kind of introduce myself and let him know that I was, I was interested in trying to, to get something going here. And he gave me a call back within 30 minutes of that email I sent. And, uh, we had a pretty long conversation and, uh, just kind of talked to him about the snowball effect, trying to create something that, um, and without asking for a bunch of things up front, like money and, and all kinds of things, just saying like, well, let's, let's see what the interest on campus is first. And, you know, maybe throw together an adult league team, um, for the first year and just build the numbers there, take some pictures that make it look like GCU ice, ice hockey's playing a competitive season. And, (laughs) and then from there, from there, just kind of get the ball rolling. Um, and and I, I mean, I, I was full on volunteer at the start of it and, and putting in the same amount of hours that I am now, um, and then transitioned, from there into part-time and, and now I'm a full-time employee with the university. So, um, and we went from a, a very poor, uh, adult B league hockey team in our, our experimental season during that season that I was also coaching at ASU, um, into now a, a team that has a program that has two men's teams and a women's team. 
That's not bad. See, I, I didn't realize that, Danny. I thought it would have been a, um, a situation where you had reached out to the university and said, hey, you know, here's an opportunity for you guys to grow your student population. Um, you know, it's an untapped source of, uh, you know, potential revenue in terms of tuition. Uh, but it, it, it was the other way around, huh? They were looking to add the hockey program and they were just looking for, um, you know, they, they already had that interest. It wasn't like you brought that interest to them. They already had it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, uh, Dan Nichols is, I mean, he, he has a vision for club sports at the university. He, he understands that the, the percentage of students on campus that do play sports, but not at a varsity level is very large. Um, they're non, they're non scholarship athletes. So they are paying tuition dollars. So it does bring money into the university as the university is growing and stuff. And, and just kind of looking around the Valley and seeing what sports are popular and, and what other club sports, um, at the other universities, are rolling. Um, you know, it, it was just one of those sports that he, he saw and, um, it just needed somebody to, uh, to manage it. And, and thankfully I was, uh, I was there at the right time and, and, uh, I've been able to stick around, uh, for as long as I've been able to. Yeah. I'd say you were right time and right place. That's, uh, that's 90% of the battle, right? Yep. Yeah. So, so tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about Grand Canyon because a lot of people aren't going to be very familiar with GCU. They're going to hear the word Grand Canyon and they're going to think it's up north near the actual national park. They're not going to know that it's in Phoenix proper, but they're also, they might only be familiar with it through one of two ways. And that would be the online advertisements or I guess the, the television advertisements for the online school that they offer. Um, or that they offered, I guess that's where I first encountered GCU. Mm-hmm. And then, um, secondly, I know that they were trying to make a splash with, um, with, uh, NCAA collegiate sports. Um, they hired on, uh, uh Dan Marley from the Phoenix suns to be their, uh, men's basketball coach, uh, try to get some high profile names in there to go for, to go with some high profile sports. So tell me, a little bit about the university, uh, if, if you don't mind, and then that emphasis on sports to grow the student population, because it's not the University of Phoenix, which is, you know, like a more of a, yeah, an adult night school type of a thing. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny you say that the online side, I mean, I, when I, when I first moved here and, and for the two years I was going to ASU and playing and then, and then the, this first year of coaching, I, I didn't even know there was, there is such a university that close to ASU. Um, and, and rightfully so, I mean, they were, they were a large online school, but hadn't hit that, that growth spurt, um, that you're talking about when they, they finally moved their athletics into division one from their division two programs. Um, and I, when I first, when I first stepped on campus, I mean, it, it was, it doesn't look anything like it does now. Um, I believe our, our student body on campus was around 15,000 students. Um, and this year, uh, this year, even with the pandemic, I, I believe we're somewhere around 22,000, um, students. Wow. Um, and they're, and they're building more dorms. Uh, right now, uh, they just they just started digging up the ground, and they're building three more uh, three more apartment style dorms. Um, so they're they're obviously expecting large growth going into next school year. Um, the the uh, the president's 
the president's um, vision and goal is to get the the student body on campus to a third around thirty thousand students and continue to grow the online portion. Um, and I mean, a, a year or so ago, we we surpassed uh, Liberty and became the largest Christian university in the country. Um, I mean, we have around like it's, I want to say it's like around ninety thousand online students. Oh my um, goodness! <laughs> yeah, so. I mean, that's the, the, if you're, if you're looking at the benefit of like what came out of, out of this, this COVID situation was when, when they had to shut everything down, um, they already had the online platform set up. So, so being able to transition our students to an online class, um, was already there and it, it, it made it so that way the students didn't have too difficult of a, a transition once the, the COVID stuff happened, but okay. But yeah, I mean, athletics is athletics are huge on campus. Like uh, you go to a basketball game uh, in a normal a normal basketball season, and it's I, I'd compare it to a small a smaller version of a Vegas Golden Knights crowd. Um, <laughs> really, that, <laughs> the, kind of that the, that, the, that rowdy, the, huh? Yeah, the the bass is that loud in the building to where it shakes shakes the floor and <laughs> and everybody's dressed up in a costume and um yeah it's 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 one of those uh it's it's a fun thing to go to I, we try to go to at least one basketball game a season as a as a team um we have we have two new coaches for our men's and women's basketball teams this year um so uh so the, those programs are looking very strong based on their uh their recruiting um you know our baseball program has won the the western athletic conference the last like three years in a row um so i mean sports are the facilities on campus are are like brand new um they, they keep improving everything um so yeah it's it, it's a big focus i they the, the university does understand um, where where their student population is coming from and where their interests are. Um, they they want they want the campus life to to really be something that the students enjoy. Um, it, around like seventy percent of our our students live directly on campus. Huh. Um, so so the campus from from basically one a.m all the way back around the clock to 1 a.m. Um, it, it's, it's active. <laughs> it's lit up. Uh, we get, you know, we get home sometimes on road trips at about like 3 a.m. And, and you, you get off the bus thinking it's going to be a ghost town and there's still students out on the soccer fields throwing Frisbees around and, and just hanging out. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's yeah, kind of sounds wild. Yep. Kind of sounds well. Now you have you mentioned the facilities. I'd always heard about the uh, the the baseball and the basketball facilities are just top notch. Mm-hmm. Um, is there in? But I know the hockey doesn't play on campus right now. They play over at uh, what Arcadia? Is it Polar yep. Ice Arcadia? Yep. I don't. I always get those things mixed up in terms of the the names. I I would call it like Aussie Ice Arcadia or Ice Den Arcadia or something. Yeah, Aussie a- Ice Arcadia. It's the oldest rink here. Okay. In Arizona. Any uh, now now that Danny Roy is, um, you know, in good with the uh, with with the brass there at GCU. Any talk of, or notions of putting a, a rink on campus to compete with the uh, with the ASUs of the world that are trying to do the same? We've we've obviously we we've gotten um, yeah, we have some some outside uh, 
support, not necessarily financially, but support trying to propel that in a direction to actually make it something that uh, we could get the school talking about, um, you know, things like renderings and drawings, but, but nothing that's been officially done um, on a school standpoint, just kind of more along the lines of us, like trying to present a vision um, and, and something that they can see uh, physically on their campus. But I, I mean, the, like I said, the, the campus hasn't, doesn't look at anything like it. It did when I first got here, um, every six months there, there seems to be a brand new building pop up. Um, that's how fast they're building and growing here. Um, they still have plenty of room for expansion and that they they have two, two parts of the campus that they're trying to fully connect. Um, so, I mean, the, the, the growth is definitely there. Um, I think uh, from a program standpoint for us, um, it's, it's our job to control what's within our control. And that's, that's the type of program that we're, we're building in the eyes of the university. Um, you know, it, it doesn't always have to be success. Um, it just has to fall in line with, with the university's values and, um, both on ice and off ice. So, um, it, you know, that's, that's kind of the path we're going. Let's, let's, let's continue to grow. Let's, let's show that this is something that, that our students want, that our players want, that, that our community around us would like to have and, and we could utilize for uh, high school out here and, and other things and, and really get the full value out of it. Um, so, you know, it's, I, I, the way, the way I've kind of put this thing together was in five year plans. And this is supposed to be our fifth year of the first five year plan. And we're, we're trying to make, make our big goals and, and vision for the next five years. And, and that's, that's one of the big, the big dreams, um, is, is to somehow get GCU ice hockey on campus and in a, in a facility that could, could potentially in, in the near future down the road, turn into a, a varsity facility. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. You need to get out there with some uh, sticks on the soccer field or the rugby field and kind of, um, uh, you know, line out a, uh, what you know a 200 by 85 and just plant them in the ground and say okay this is what your hockey facility would look like the rink and that you know build like an outer wall of hockey sticks to show okay this is you know where where the building would go and uh, let let some folks kind of see it and that that way they can kind of see what it uh, what it might look like where it would look like it sounds like uh but it sounds like exciting opportunities there at gcu tell me tell me this with um GCU obviously has a different, you, you compared it to Liberty in terms of the uh, online mm-hmm. and uh, Christian aspect of it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take it, Danny, and this is me saying this tongue in cheek. I'm going to take it that you're probably pretty glad you're not in the news much like <laughs> Liberty is in terms of the uh, heavy involvement from a, from a political standpoint, but also a heavy involvement from a, uh, you know, the, the, a news making standpoint. Um, is it, is, is that fair to say you have similar values, but you're not necessarily interested in, uh, in, in the notoriety that they're bringing to themselves? Yeah. yeah. Let's just say like, they're, they're definitely, they're, they're a program that, that I, I see and in a, in a hockey program that I, I would love for our program to, uh, to mimic, um, as far as they have, they have teams at all all five divisions in the ACHA, they have, they have a, a really nice facility that they play in. They get great crowds and, and they have, their teams are tough. Um, 
you know, and, and I, I see, I see the staff at, at all the, uh, the recruiting events that we go to and in the ACHA, uh, meetings and stuff. And, and we're always talking about how can we, uh, how can we get our teams to, to play against each other in, in a season? And, you know, this is with us at D1 now. And um, it's it's definitely something that we're, I'm trying to plan for down the road of making a trip out there and, and then getting an agreement going where every every other year or every two two years or so we, we swap uh, venues. Um, so uh, I know our women's team has also been in talking with them and trying to trying to get games. So I, I think uh, on that side of things, I, that's, that's kind of where I'm, I'm kind of more interested in. I, I obviously seen the news and stuff like that, but <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would say uh, I think we're, we're in the lead right now on, uh, on values. Yeah. You want, yeah. You want to keep the GCU chancellor away from Instagram and <laughs> uh, stuff like that. Well, okay. Well, let, let's, let's get back to talking GCU hockey. You're, you're, you've, this is this would have been your fifth year. The first mm-hmm. year you said you played glorified uh, men's league B level. Um, the first two years you were playing what ACHA Division Two. Yep. And then um, and then you moved up to uh, ACHA Division One and you played as an independent uh, two years ago. Um, tell me what what was the decision. Um, you know what? What was the thought process there, Danny? Behind playing, you were already D two. You were doing pretty good. You you beaten and played some really good Division one teams, U of A. Um, you know why did you decide to move on up to men's Division one? Well, it's just it's kind of a like I said, I put together a five year plan for our first five years, and and it was an aggressive plan, um, and knowing that knowing that the the schools here have their top teams and their top teams are at division one. Um, yeah, NAU is D two and D three, but the close school ASU is division one ACHA and division two ACHA. And then the only way to play uni- university of Arizona and really make it count is, is playing at the division one level. Um, and Chad, Chad was, uh, extremely supportive in, in helping us grow and, and get to, uh, the, the position that we're in right now. Um, and, and in doing that, he, he accepted a D2 team to, to play against them. Um, especially a, a newer D2 team like us. Um, I know they had played NAU in the past and, and things like that, but like you said, I mean, we, we, we were able to actually go into their own building, which is a tough place to play in and a tough place to win. Um, and we were able to go back to back years down there in, in early January. Um, you know, we could, we could say it was after the Christmas break and, and guys are a little bit rusty from the break and stuff like that, but the ability to actually go in there and beat them as a D2 team, um, kind of just showed that we, we had the potential. Um, you know, I'm not going to speak for the, the second game in that series because the second game in that series, Chad got his guys to wake up and, pretty much put their foot on our throats. Um, but, uh, I mean, either way, a win's a win. And, and it, it, it at least showed our guys, our players, um, you know, that they can, they can continue to grow this, this program and get it to where we wanted to get it to, which was D1. Um, so, 
so yeah, I mean, it was, it was just some, it was, it was something that I, I had envisioned. I knew, I knew the level of play. I know the, like I, I, the amount of time that I've spent around the ACHA and stuff. My, I don't, I didn't think that my, my goals and things were like too far out of reach or, or unrealistic. Um, I knew it would take a lot of work and, and recruiting to get the caliber of players to actually be competitive at this level. Um, and, and it wasn't necessarily just a, uh, a reason to say that we're a division one program. Um, the goal is, has always been to get to get to the level and, and continue to excel and grow and, and, uh, and, and do similar as ASU and, and win a national championship. So, um, I think we're on the pathway to, to doing that. Like, I think this year was going to be a year where we weren't going to see the growing pains that we saw last season with six games going in overtime and all six of them losing, losing the game uh uh five of them in the first 45 seconds of overtime which was pretty heartbreaking but um (laughs) yeah two two of those were against asu two of them were against u of a and and one one was against utah um and and then we lost the home opener to unlv where we were up four nothing going into the third so um you know, I think I think this was the season where we were going to actually be able to capitalize on some of those opportunities and stuff. So, you know, hopefully we could get to January and and I I, I think uh, you know we'll be able to kind of finish off the 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 twenty twenty season with a with a high note and and then move into the summer and be really excited about the next year that we're going to go into uh, conference play. Hey, from your lips to God's ears, right? Let's hope we get to play here in the spring. That's for sure. Yep. So, so tell me, other than, you know, um, the, the, the challenges of, you know, playing folks locally mm-hmm. and, you know, experiencing a lot of uh, early disappointment in overtime, I didn't realize six games ended in the first, uh, <laughs> in, in overtime, five of them in the first 45 seconds each. That's, that's brutal. Yep, um, and, and all of them, we had been up, we had been up in the game. So, I mean, we, we just couldn't close it out in the third period. Okay. So just a young, <laughs> a young team that was learning how to win. Yeah. What, what, yeah. O- what other challenges did you find as a, uh, as a there, as you moved up as an independent in men's division one, uh, the, the thing I hear mostly is that the, the biggest challenge obviously is scheduling, but were there, were there other challenges did you find? Did you find recruiting to be a challenge? Did you find, um, you know, just I guess scheduling, but what also about travel? Because you know you are kind of on an island out there with, um, you know, just ASU, U of A, and I guess UNLV a little bit. Utah's what eight hours away, maybe a little uh, bit. Yeah, longer. about nine, about nine hours. Yep. Yeah. So you're, yeah, you're kind um, of so travel would be and I mean, tell me what what challenges you would experience other than just scheduling. Yeah, um, you know the. I would say, you know, recruit, recruiting definitely, I don't know if it's necessarily extremely challenging. I think if you talk to any of us coaches out here in Arizona, it it's a great place to play college hockey. <laughs> yeah, the weather's amazing. Um, yeah, there's a lot to do on campus and there's a ton to do off campus. Um, you have all, all, all the major sports here that you could, uh, you could go watch, watch play that you got the, the golf tournament that comes through Scottsdale every year that all the players like to go out to and, and stuff like that. So yeah, that's probably been, that's probably been probably more on our easier side of things. Um, okay. you know, uh, I, I think, uh, 
you know, as far as just the challenges, I, I think just more, more along the lines of it's, it's just, it, it's a tough, I, like I said, it's, it's, at D2, at D2, you're able to play, you could go play in a four game tournament um, showcase to get four games out of the way. And, 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 you know, it is taxing on the players, but it, it's nothing like playing even just two games at D1 um, for the guys. Uh, guys are bigger at our level. Um, it is, it's still physical and, yeah, you got harder shots and things like that. Just, just a lot of, a lot of potential injuries out there that, um, that can kind of drag your team down in numbers pretty quickly. So, um, I think, I think a big challenge is just consistently having the depth on the bench to play a full, full 60 minute game. Um, I think we went out to, we went out to Vegas in, in January to, to play against UNLV and, and play Minot and, and, that was the second time we had played Minot. The first time we actually went up, went up and played Minot in their building, and and it was like we weren't even on the same ice with those guys. But uh, when we went, when we met them again out in Vegas, um, and we were able to play tougher, and we played a great game. We kept it close going into the third period, and then and then at that point we were so depleted, like the there's the gas ran out of the tank, and and then they finally just. They they just closed out the game by putting putting three three more in the net and, and making it a seven seven goal differential game. Um, so I think that's like obviously that's the biggest challenge at our at this at this level compared to D two D two you can make a you can make some mistakes and get them back or or get lucky but you know, at this level if you make mistakes it's it's another goal in the back of your net and it you, you can't you can't win when you're you're on a four goals a game against average um, and hoping to score five every night. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's kind teams of are too good at this level. Yeah. There's, there's a definite difference between the uh, men's division one athlete and the men's division two athlete, just in terms oh, of yeah. size ability. And uh, it's literally men against boys. And then um, as you say at men's division two, I think you can, it's not knocking it cause it's a good level of hockey and it's entertaining. Oh, yeah. But you can get away with having one line, and uh, whereas at men's one, you've got to have you know to be to be a, a national powerhouse, you've got to have three, four really good lines. You know, you can have one superstar line, but the, you just can't have a, a, a steep drop off for the rest of your lines. Mm-hmm. You've got to have some consistency there. Um, so yep. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So you're so did anything surprise you in, in your uh, first year as an independent there men's one? Uh, I, I think just the, I, I think what more surprised me is just that, you know, the, the support, um, like, you, you know, you'd said things like uh, scheduling is, especially as an independent, you know, you don't have the, you don't have the conference games that are mandatory to play. So you, you, you already start off with a schedule that's empty. Um, so you're pretty much going out on on reputation or hoping that you have a reputation that other teams are going to go like yeah we're, we're willing to play you. Um, and the surprising thing like like I said we went up to we went up to Minot we played Minot and Jamestown and and Wade both Wade and and Dean Stork up there. Um, I mean we're extremely gracious um, when I was reaching out going like we're looking for games we need games. Um, yeah, we obviously had to travel out to them. They had already had their schedule set, so so coming to us wasn't going to be an option. But um, 
but setting up an agreement where where we would go up there one year and and the next year they'd come down uh, down our way and and then continue that kind of pattern um you know I, I, like I, I had mentioned with with Chad down at U of A like like a no-brainer always always willing to schedule games and and work work with us and stuff so um UNLV throwing in like we played them five times last season um so so the ability for us to fill up a schedule was was pretty surprising to me for sure um and I think I think we we my 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 philosophy has always been like you know make make sure we have a program that's respectable and, and something that teams want to play against us um you know not necessarily in the way that um we don't play tough and stuff we we still want that program that when when teams see us on the schedule they go oh man we gotta you know we gotta battle this is gonna be a tough game i hate playing these guys but yep. we don't want it in the way where guys go we hate playing these guys so they just they they play the game wrong they're they're annoying to play against like you know why do we even schedule these guys so so I think uh, that's that's kind of what we've been trying to build here um, each year, and, and it's it's at least helped us um, fill our schedule out with the toughest schedule possible, and and you know hopefully it was it was one of those things that uh, kind of allowed us to like get into the position where we're at right now and in this conference yeah well yeah and then uh, then along comes the call from a dumb commissioner that says hey um are you interested in joining uh this little western league that we have going on and you you know you said you were kind enough to say yes so we've got utah grand canyon and vegas joining we're getting away from the travel partner scheme we're going to uh two five team divisions and uh so gcu will be in the uh Western Collegiate Hockey League West Division with uh, ASU, U of A, uh, UNLV, and Utah. Um, hopefully that'll reduce some, it'll provide some games, but it will also, uh, you know, provide some relief, at least on the travel budget. Um, what What are your expectations? I mean, knowing, you know, COVID's kind of put the uh, screws to us here for this season, or at least for this half of the season. What what are your expectations here coming into the uh, coming into the conference at least as it pertains to division play, you know, against ASU, U of A, and uh, Vegas and Utah? What's well, I, I mean, it's it's definitely exciting. Um, you know, we finally get to we we finally get to play for something. Um, not not necessarily just rankings and trying to trying to qualify into a national tournament, but but a, an actual conference trophy. Um, you know, when you're playing independent, you're playing games and, and your main focus is just trying to get ranking points and, and see if you can qualify, um, by ranking high enough without getting booted out by things like auto bits and stuff. Um, and, and the same thing was at division two, very similar. Like if you're in a, if you're in a conference, you, you knew you were playing for something in addition to getting to postseason um, within the ACHA. So, you know, that's, I, I think that's, that's our biggest exciting factor to it that that there's a there's an additional um opportunity there at the end of the season um we we know the teams that we're playing against um you know we haven't we haven't got to see the uh, the schools out in oklahoma and, and missouri um but we we played against colorado and colorado state and we've played against everybody on our side in the west and and we've been ex- we were we were extremely competitive with all of them um last season so uh yeah that we like i said we we know the potential of our program and and we know that there is the opportunity um 
U of A's got that that repeat on their on their hands right now, and and us being new to the the division, I, I, we would love to to try and you know, swipe that away and um, become a WCHL champion. That'd be pretty awesome. They, um, you know, the, the the fact that they've got it. It's it's always fun to repeat. In fact, we've had uh, I don't think we've had a team win the conference just for one year. Uh, ASU won it the very first two years. Um, mm-hmm. Central Oklahoma won it for the next three, and Arizona has won it for the most recent two years. And it's uh, obviously it's a great honor and it's a, a an incredible achievement to to win the conference. And I say that humbly as the commissioner, <laughs> but it it can also be a burden. Right, because you have these expectations that you are mm-hmm. the the team. Everybody's going to bring their A game against you, and so um, uh, yeah, that I you know I, I know that that's something that uh, Chad and his folks down there in Tucson are keenly aware of. I know that that's something that the folks at UCO were were keenly aware of when it was their reign as the conference champion, and um, obviously you know Coach Powers was keenly aware of it too. And I think it's something that. People don't, you know, folks like that, they don't shy away from it. It's just, it's there, but, um, you know, they, they, that's something that they relish, you know, with the, um, uh, you know, the, the, the challenge, what, what powers always talks about a book, the obstacle is the way, and, mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of the, uh, you know, that's the challenge you've, you've got to repeat and you've got to, uh, bring every, uh, everyone's coming gunning for you. So GCU's coming gunning for U of A to, to get that cup away from them. So, uh. That'll be their yep. challenge. That'll be your challenge. Yeah, yeah, and like like I mentioned, like the things like rankings and stuff. You know, knowing knowing that the conference has a, one of the toughest schedules out there. Um, you know, the like like I had mentioned, we lost in overtime to three teams that were all going to nationals from the conference. Yep. Um, before before the 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 outbreak uh, halted that. Um, so I mean, just knowing knowing that when we play, we're playing a schedule that that's going to get us a strong strength of schedule, and and if we can just do what's within our control and control that and try to win games and and stuff like that, we should we should be able to handle that side of things too. Yeah, this uh, it's not just. Uh... It's not just uh, you know sliced chicken. This is a pretty decent little conference that we got here. Oh, yeah. So uh, it's, yeah. it's not. I'm I'm pretty damn proud of it myself. So, all right. Well, tell me what uh, tell me what Grand Canyon is doing during these COVID days because we're not playing hockey. Um, I know that ASU is getting kind of um, unique with their uh, uh, college elite hockey league that they're playing out of Oceanside. Uh, some other folks are doing Missouri state did something like that with their coaches, uh, cup challenge. I think UCO is doing something similar with a Bronco cup type of a thing. Um, U of a is only able to get out and run around on the, uh, you know, they're able to do dry land conditioning. They, mm-hmm. they, they don't have ice there at the Tucson center cause it's a, a COVID relief place right now. Um, what's GCU been able to do or have you been able to do anything? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think we're, we're kind of along the lines with uh, with U of A right now. We're we're not allowed to do anything as a group off campus. Um, so uh, I, thankfully, the, the Coyotes had donated the uh, the outdoor roller hockey rink onto our campus um, uh, a couple years ago. So um, 
so we just started we actually just started we, we've had to go through a process of getting our players all athletically cleared and any of the players that have tested positive for covid either either recently or in the summer before they got here um have uh, have all had to do ekg additional things like that just to just a precautionary make sure that they they are healthy and approved to go so so we just started uh uh, out there we we're right now going into a phase one so a lot of it's just individual skill work so some stick handling some some circuit cardio stuff um just trying to keep it fun and light um yeah sometimes that stuff kind of can drag on and and players kind of start to lose motivation thinking like are we going to have a season like do we really want to be doing this stuff so so the goal right now for us is just to to get our guys together and get them comfortable around each other working, having a little bit of fun out there. Um, so I think once we could get to phase three, we'll probably just play some, uh, deck, deck hockey style. So on the shoes, just like a three on three or, or four on four ball hockey league. And you know, we'll be able to get our cardio in. We'll be able to get some stick handling in, but some fun competition in there as well. And, and just keep things light and keep guys focused on the fact that we, we can't control the out. We can't control the outcome of the of the COVID stuff. Um, you know, the state the state controls that, and the university makes those decisions. It's, it's all based on how it's how the numbers are looking at the certain time. So, in the meantime, let's just continue to try and try and build our our team culture and and dynamic and and stuff the best way possible until we can get get back to the ice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be tough. I'm, I'm sure you would much rather be coaching on the ice and uh, yeah. standing behind a bench in, during games. Cause that's the, the, that's the fun stuff. This is where you're really earning your coaching stripes because you're having to hey. be innovative and develop that team culture uh, all while you're not doing the one thing you've come together to do, get on the ice and play games. Yep. Exactly. It's, it, it's, it's definitely awkward out there walking around, um, and trying to move around like I, I would be coaching in a practice on the ice. Um, I move a lot slower as I'm walking, you know, and then trying to demonstrate something is, is much different when you're not on skates, uh, than you are on skates. But, um, yeah, we've been able to, we've been able to figure it out. Like we, we've been able to work with the goalies as well. We have, we have the, like the rubber spongy pucks that we usually use for chuck a puck. Um, and we dump those out and, and shoot on the goalies and stuff so they can keep their hand-eye coordination going. Um, so, I mean, we, yeah, we're, we're definitely getting creative with it. And, and, uh, I let the captains know that, that I'm going to kind of put it more in their hands and, and start to have them kind of take over things as well as to try and, uh, to build some investment into it, um, and, and add, add their input in. So, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm happy to finally get things going with the team. Um, it's like I said, that going through the whole process of getting cleared, um, and approved to play, um, was definitely a lot of work and, um, and now we we're finally able to get going and hopefully we could get through phase one without any issues and move to phase two and then get to phase three, which is what would allow us to do some, uh, just small group competition. Yeah. Hey, let's hope so. I'm, I, you know, we, we talk about January 1st is this magical date when we're all going to be able to, uh, start playing again, but reality is we're, we're just, 
that we're, we're, we're very hopeful. So let's cross our fingers that GCU and the other 10 schools in the Western League are able to, or the other nine schools, I should say, are able to, uh, uh, you know, get back on the ice at some time in January so that we can uh, start playing some games somehow, some way. Yeah, it's kind of maddening exactly. to watch the watch. You know, I think we have a total of eleven teams that have tried to play this fall. Eleven out of seventy-two, and uh, three of them have already shut down. So we only really have eight, and it's just kind of maddening to watch them sometimes. Yep, because yeah. it's the same eight over and over and over. Yeah, exactly. And the <laughs> the division, the division two, just does it. They they wanted. Hey, they're they're doing all the the ranking human human ranking this year um, so they're counting all the games that are currently playing so teams like Mary are pl- have played like 10 games or whatever um, yeah, so when you look at human ranking the, I don't think those guys will ever get touched from the number one spot um, I, you know and, and at that we don't even know what our travel restrictions are going to be if we are approved to, to return yeah I think um, that's so, the big unknown so, isn't it yeah, so like, I mean, especially on the D two side, like I, you know, what what's human ranking going to decide if if our only opponent is is ASU or or NAU? Like that, there's not a lot of difference in our schedule there. So it it'll, it would be it, it'll definitely be interesting um, to see how things work if even if we are able to get on the ice in in some way, shape, or form. So I, you know, at least with our with our D one roster right now, I, we're definitely we're definitely keeping everything set the way it is. Um, D2, I, I'm playing it a little more as like a, let's keep things tight. Um, if we do have travel, let's try and keep it within a six hour window if, if possible and, and see if, uh, that stuff sits well with the university to allow us to, uh, to move forward. You've, you've talked a little bit about, uh, the men's and the women's in addition to being the, the head coach for the men's division one team at GCU, you were also the director of hockey operations. So that means you also oversee the men's two program and the women's division one program. Uh, what challenges, what challenges happen for Danny Roy with, with respect to those things? Is that just an administrative role or do you, uh, do you take more of a hands-on with those guys or what? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, right now I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm the only one with the two men's teams right now. Um, we don't, we don't have our, our staff right now hired on. So, um, those guys are off doing their own thing right now. So managing, right. We have, I have 70, I have 73 players registered right now Whoa. that I'm working with. Um, and I'm, I mean, this year with it, with it being a funky year, the plan is to roster them all and, uh, you know, if, if we are playing in the spring, know that if anybody is around anybody that might be sick or, or feels sick, like that, they're not coming around the team at all. So needing to have that many bodies, um, is, uh, is probably a must. So you most likely split that in half. So it'd be about 35 players per team, which is a lot, um, to handle, but yeah. I th- like I said, I think the way if somebody is feeling under the weather or something and, and immediately telling them don't don't even come for this week, stay home. Um, I think that will drop the roster down quite a bit each week. So so needing to have have a good healthy roster um, is kind of the reason for doing that, and and it's also for building the building blocks going into next season of like of keeping guys involved in in 
and allowing to, them to understand the expectations of our program and, and learn learn from other players and stuff like that. So that way, when they go into next season, they're not just coming into it green. They they kind of have already heard um, the expectations of the program. So thankfully, with the women's team, um, Coach Rossi has has really stepped in um, each season and, and has taken more and more over that team. Um, and, and she's pretty much now at this point. Um, running it at 100%. So I just kind of, I'm more of a, I'm, I'm, since I'm the full-time employee and and she's part-time, you know, I, I'm more of the liaison between her and the, in the club sports department and, um, just kind of a support, support staff more for her, um, in anything that they need to get done. So, so it's kind of taken, that's definitely taken one team off my plate, but like I said, with, with the numbers the way they are now and, and expecting to continue to grow with recruiting, I, I mean, we might be going into next season starting to slowly introduce a, a third team um, into the mix. So, Would that, would that uh, be a third team at D3 or a second D2? Or? Nah, it, it would most likely be, yeah, we'd probably, it, like I, I think uh, – trying to do it in a slow way, you know, call it like an academy or something, maybe register them with D3 just so we can get that out of the way. And I know Tate, Tate over at ASU is, has brought in a division three um, team because their numbers are just so large and, and you always have Northern Arizona up North with their D3 team. Um, and when, once, as soon as the California schools all moved to D2, like it, it, it was super difficult for anybody to have a division three team here in the West without having to travel too much yeah um so I, I think just more more along the lines of if we have enough guys to to throw something together that they play only asu and nau and maybe play four games um against each one um so you know like a home series and away series um across the entire the entire school year not not have the vision or the goal of making it to regionals that year just to a more just like let's let's see if this is something viable and that we can move into the following season and actually turn them into a division three team. So I'm I'm getting way ahead of myself. Um, I mean that <laughs> is a lot of people to manage, but that's <laughs> I, I'm like I said, I'm I'm always I'm always focused on on continuing to grow the the program and and uh, give guys opportunity to play. Um, play with the the gcu logo on their jersey that's uh yeah it sounds like a lot of five-year plans there danny uh, <laughs> one, one for each program now you you also I'm, I'm i saw on your bio that was on the website you also do some uh, you coach in the high school hockey league or you have a high school uh, hockey team you coach yeah that was another thing the, that was another thing i was doing with tate um he he was always right he had the the uh arizona high school hockey association uh premier high school travel team. Um, so I was going out there and helping as a, as a coach with him. Um, he had brought me on a couple of times with the, uh, the team that goes out to the St. Louis showcase, um, for Arizona. And I've okay. gone out there as a, as a coach with those guys and stuff. Um, you know, the more, the more it's gotten busy here with the university, the less I've had time to, uh, to step away and, and get involved with that stuff. So, so, the last season I really didn't get a ton of time to participate in, in this year really, really haven't just because I'm I, I'm trying to stay away from too many, um, outside bodies, um, 
with COVID stuff and things like that. So, well, it, it sounded, I, I, it caught my attention, Danny, because I thought, oh boy, this this kid, he's he's running the D one program. He's the hockey ops for men's two and for women's one. Uh, and he's doing all this stuff and he's a university administrator. What, what when does he have time? <laughs> what, what, what does Danny Roy like to do in the spare time other than uh, be at the rink and uh, deal with GCU hockey? Yeah. I'm, I, you know, I, I'm either at the rink or on the road with the college team. So, you know, it's important to make sure that I'm, I'm not stepping away to go, go do something elsewhere. And I could actually be home hanging out um, here. So, <laughs> Your wife has to appreciate that. Huh? She's, <laughs> she's all by herself. And you're not there to bother her. Yeah. Yeah. Wild, wild. All right. Well, hey, we'll let you go here in in a quick second. But I got to ask mm-hmm. I mean, for a kid from Northern California up there in the Northern Bay area. Um, is it true what they say there about Phoenix? Is it just a dry heat in the summer or is it just <laughs> absolute ball blazing hot? Like I think it is. Well, I, I wait. When I first got here, it was, you know, it it was, it was definitely, um, different, but I, I, once you live a couple summers here, um, it, it's, it's nice. Um, once you've experienced 125, as soon as the weather hits about a hundred or high nineties, it's like, it's paradise. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All the other guys, all of our guys coming in from Minnesota and, and up in Canada and stuff. Yeah. Even right now they, they think the high eighties is too hot to, to go outside and walk around campus. And uh, I tell you, like, you guys don't understand. You got to live here for an entire year yeah. and then you'll understand why this is nice weather. See, I was going to, when you, when you first said that, I was thinking to myself, is he saying that 125 is nice? But <laughs> no, you're saying it went after suffering in 125, yep. when it goes down to 30 degrees down to the nineties, then you're going, ah, oh. Oh yeah. You, you could, you could tell the difference, you know, especially when there is, there is no humidity. Um, this year we had, we had a strange monsoon period, um, at, like pretty much no rain here. So, so the humidity was, uh, was not as bad. Um, but, but the, the weather's definitely changed here. I, this was our first year with the, the most amount of days over a hundred degrees ever. Really? Yeah. So, and then today, today was the hottest day in November on, on record. So, wow. uh, So yes, I'm hoping it'll be a, a, a colder winter and with a little bit of rain just to change things up. By cold, what you mean? Like in the sixties? Oh, we, I mean, we get down, like we get down into a a frost. I mean, it'll, it'll get down below 30 at night and okay and then as soon as the sun comes up it it increases into the 60s pretty quickly but i mean it, it snows and it snowed in scottsdale a few years ago really uh, yeah all the way down into scottsdale so wow yeah i know up north they get it and down uh, down in the mountains they get it yep but uh yeah whenever i would complain to, to powers or to berman or, <laughs> or they're like hey you know what that's why god one of them would tell me that's why god invented air conditioning then the yeah. other one says, "Yeah, cry me a river. I'm in my pool right now." So uh, <laughs> yeah. that's what I always hear, especially from the from the current ASU head coach. He's like, "Hold on, I'm I'm getting into the pool." Okay, now let's talk. Yeah, so well, that's that's Kelly Newton, our assistant coach. You know, he moved from Colorado to here, and and he's any chance he gets, he's at home in his pool, <laughs> enjoying life. Kelly's uh, Kelly's quite the character. He's he's been yeah. around the Western Collegiate Hockey League for a little bit. Yep. 
So very, very good. Well, Danny Roy, listen, I appreciate learning about, uh, I appreciate your time tonight. I appreciate learning about uh, Grand Canyon hockey. I appreciate learning about uh, Danny Roy. And I look forward to, uh, obviously we've seen each other a few times down in Naples at the, uh, at the big meetings and you know, I'm the big loud mouth down there. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the GCU teams on the ice and in the Western Collegiate Hockey League. And maybe one of these days I'll, uh, have to bring a, big fat trophy over there to uh, AZ Ice Arcadia and uh, do a little presentation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. Not a problem. Well, hey, we hang on. We, we appreciate everybody listening to uh, the WCHL podcast. Again, Danny, as you know, if you listen to this thing, there's only like 11 listeners. So uh, there's not many, but we, we do this because we try to uh, shed a little bit of light on the ACHA and on the on, on the conference. Thanks for uh, checking out the Western Collegiate Hockey League. I'll eventually get the website updated. It's at westernchl.com or follow us on Twitter at westernchl. And uh, just we want everybody to stay safe, wash your hands, wear a mask, do what you can because we definitely want to be able to play hockey in January. So stay safe, everybody. 